You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Car Feature with Nicole Lowe. Good afternoon, Nicole. It's a pleasure to finally get to speak to you. On the few occasions that I've stood on a, on a Tuesday, you have been unavailable, but I am a, an ardent listener. So it's a pleasure to finally talk to you. Hi, Nicole. I'm glad to hear and good afternoon and good afternoon, listeners. So, Nicole, before we start fielding, or rather before we start uh, throwing all these technical car maintenance repair questions uh, your way, uh, you want to touch on, um, you want to touch on uh, the workings of springs and dampers on a vehicle suspension. For those that are not even vaguely technically minded, <laughs> you'll t- get into, first of all, what the springs and dampers are because we as uh, consumers love a car with great suspension. But what, in te- what, uh, what goes into making sure that our ride is comfortable and we're floating on this air cushion? Uh, I, I, I'm sure we don't know the nitty gritty. Get into it for us, please. Okay, yes. So if we take a step back, suspension, most people will tell you is there to have a comfortable ride, which is true. But the main purpose mm. of suspension is actually to prevent the wheels from losing contact with the surface below it. Because if the wheel loses contact with the surface, with the road surface below, then you lose your grip, then you lose your steering, you lose control of the vehicle. So that is actually the main purpose of suspension, is to keep the wheels on the ground for the most part. So if we look at the suspension itself, and especially now just looking at springs and dampers, the spring component is the one that looks like a spiral. So it's a, it's a metal that's, that's being wound into a spiral. That is your spring. And the spring actually carries the mass of the vehicle. So when it's stationary, the ride height, the spring determines that. The spring works in the sense that the, the force will actually increase the more you depress the spring. So the more you push it in, yes. the higher the force will become. So that carries the mass of the vehicle. So the guys in their 4 by 4 if they want to raise the rise height, they will either fit uh, longer springs or they will fit stiffer springs. That will actually raise the vehicle up a bit. And the guys that like to drop down their sports cars, they will fit a shorter and stiffer spring to decrease the ride height. So that's the spring for you. But you can't only have a spring. If you only have springs in a vehicle and you start driving, it will start bouncing and it won't stop because it's a free action that goes just bounces up and down. So that's why you will need a shock absorber or a damper. The correct word is actually a damper, and that's a component that fits inside the coil spring. Um, And a damper works in a way that it's filled with oil. There's a valve. It's a tiny valve, and when it moves up and down, that oil needs to go through the valve. So the interesting thing with a, with a damper is it works on the rate of change. So if you take your hand on a damper, you'll be able to push it in very slowly. There will always be no resistance to that movement. But if you try to yes. push a damper in fast, then it gives you a lot of resistance. So that's what a damper does. So if you fit the dampers in combination with a spring, so you go over a bump, the spring will compress, the damper will sort of try to resist it, but also compress. But then after the, the bump, your car won't be doing that hopping and, and continuing. The damper will actually slow down the movement, up and down movement, until it, it's stable again. So you need the correct spring and damper rates in your suspension of your vehicle. So it's very dangerous just to go and change shocks and go and change springs, especially away from OEM spec if you don't understand what you are doing. But in short, that's mm-hmm. the that's the spring damper 
uh, explanation for you. We can go into very much more detail, but I think that's enough for the show for now. I think it's fantastic. Thank you so much for that uh, comprehensive explanation of the relationship between the spring and the damper. Uh, just really quickly, before we go to Cecil in Pretoria, we see you on the line, Cecil, uh, and we'll come to you shortly. Nicole, you, you, you touched on something very, very important. Now, with the right, uh, with uh, consumers and motor vehicle owners having the right to repair uh, where and as they choose, and that came into effect in July, and you touched on the fact that it is important to make sure that when you are servicing these or replacing these or maintaining these in your vehicles, that spring and damp and looking at your suspension, you need to be sure that uh, the person that's uh, doing all of this work knows what they are doing. The dangers of um, not maintaining or servicing your vehicle in this regard properly uh, can be what when it comes to the wear and tear in general of the vehicle and your safety. Yeah, for sure. So the engineers, when they develop your suspension system for your new vehicle, a lot of work, a lot of testing has gone into that. Um, so just to go and change springs and uh, dampers uh, nilly-willy, that's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, the serviceable co- component on your suspension is really the damper. The spring normally would not uh, collapse or break. It can collapse and break, but mostly your dampers. If it's normal road use, you would expect the damper set to last for around 100,000 kilometers. But there's testing that can be done on your dampers. There's a test that they do where they push down on each corner of the car. They've got a, a, a little tool that they can actually measure the bumps and the reaction of it afterwards. Um, so, and your dampers, you can also inspect your dampers because they fold with oil and they've got seals in them. So when you see starting, they're starting to leak oil from the dampers, you know it's definitely time to, to change to new dampers. But it, it influences the handling of the car, it influences the braking, acceleration. To, to drive a car with dampers in a bad condition is actually a very dangerous thing. You won't be able to do in, in emergency maneuvers, swerving maneuvers, you'll lose control of the vehicle. So you're 100% correct. It's a very important part of a, a vehicle safety system is the suspension. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a call now. Cecil in Pretoria, thank you so much for calling in. Welcome to the program, and please go ahead uh, with your question to Nicole. Thank you. Hi, Nicole. Um, I just have a question regarding hybrid vehicles. I've not been available since, I suppose, the Prius. But all the cars now are electric Sorry, just there, the line was very bad. Nicole, were you... Relay the message. Okay. It's regarding a Honda Fit. Is that right. if I heard correctly? <laughs> no. Cecil? Yes. Go ahead, Cecil. I think we've, you, felt you sound clearer okay. now. You've just you relay your question. All right. Again. My question was regarding hybrid vehicles. And the hybrids have been, I suppose, since the, the, the Prius, they've been uh, um, available. But are there currently any diesel-electric hybrids available, or is it still only petrol and electric? Okay, now I've heard the question, 100%. So the hybrid vehicle, um, obviously, that's a combination of powertrains, normally between internal combustion engine and electric motor. Uh, the idea is that when you do stop-start driving, your electric uh, motor is most efficient and you can recoup some of the braking energy, put it back in the battery. But when you go on the motorway, long-distance driving, your internal combustion engine is a better option, gives you better fuel economy, longer range, and that's why the combination can work. But remember, hybrid's a very complex vehicle because you've got two powertrains, and that's why it's normally also more expensive. 
Um, and we can see that the hybrid vehicle is sort of, in my opinion, a crutch until we get to the full electric vehicles. It's sort of an in-between step, I believe. Regarding petrol and diesel, uh, in South Africa, you don't get the diesel hybrids as far as I know. I might be stand to be corrected. But I know in Europe, you will find some diesel hybrids, but they definitely um, in the minimum. Though you don't get them often. There's a good reason for that. The petrol engine is much better stopping and starting than a diesel engine. The petrol engine also heats up much quicker than a diesel engine. So if you're in a situation where you need to stop start uh, the internal combustion engine because you're going back and forth between electric and internal combustion engine, you want the engine that can heat up quickly, um, that starts easily, that's low on vibration, and that's the petrol engine. That's why you'll find your, your petrol hybrids are definitely more popular. The diesel hybrid, uh, you do get some of them, some models in, in Europe, and they they should actually be more fuel efficient, but it just takes a lot, lot longer to heat up a diesel engine. As I was saying, you also got that a lot of vibration because of the high compression and so on. Stop starting is not the best in a diesel engine. So that's why it doesn't suit the hybrid application as well as a petrol engine. Lovely. We'll t- carry on taking your calls uh, to and questions to Nicole Lowe after the short break. It's 14.49. 702. The Car Feature. With Nicole Lowe. 14.51 on 702. Continuing the Car Feature with Nicole Lowe. And we're taking your questions, right? Any car repair, maintenance-related questions, now's the time to get them in. Of course, uh, Nicole is a technical specialist and former technical editor for Car Magazine. Uh, Selwyn in Johannesburg, welcome to the program. Uh, let's talk about what's going on with your water pump. What's your question? Oh, okay. How are you doing? Very well, Selwyn. Um, please, I trust the same as it goes for you. Please go ahead and ask your question for Nicole, and uh, hopefully he can give you some answers. Okay. Hi, Nicole. I just wanted to check with you. Um, I took my car in for the service last week. Um, the next day I got the car back, and the EPC lights came on. Um, when I took it back to Audi, they told me that the thermostat and the water pump have gone. Is that a maintenance issue, or does it happen... Um, you know, does it normally happen? Okay, so was the vehicle overheating? The Audi that you take in, it took in, and what was the what's the mileage on the vehicle? It's on ninety thousand. It wasn't overheating. It just went in just for a normal service. Okay, because it's normally when they change the thermostat and water pump, that will be uh, cooling of the engine related. So normally they wouldn't investigate that. Uh, if there wasn't an overheating problem or maybe if it was losing coolant. So it's very strange for me if it went in for a normal service that they would tell you the thermostat and the water pump is gone. I know with a, with a water pump, it, it, it's an item that will fail eventually in the vehicle. Uh, the water pump, remember, is responsible for circulating the coolant through the engine and through the radiator. So without the water pump, the, the cooling won't, the fluid won't be moving. So you need the water pump. The water pump has got the, a few uh, seals on the shaft. And when a seal goes, you'll see the coolant dripping on the ground. So that's a telltale sign that the water pump is gone. The thermostat yeah. is actually responsible for keeping the temperature optimum. So when you're driving at operating temperature, it would be around 90 degrees. So the thermostat will keep the, the, the flow. Uh, it will stop the flow during cold starting to heat up the engine for, uh, fast. And then when the engine gets up to temperature, the, the thermostat is like a valve that will open and allow the coolant to flow. So it works in combination with the, the water pump. Um, I don't see a reason why they would fail at the same time. I don't see that. 
Um, normally, when you have an overheating problem, they will just change the water pump and the thermostat just for, for safety to make sure they've, they've, they've caught the, the, the culprit. Um, but to, to say that it's changed on a, on a normal service, uh, that's very strange for me. I think you should ask for an explanation how did they came to the, uh, the conclusion that they needed to re- replace the water pump and the thermostat. If they told you, okay, they saw the coolant leaking under the, the, the vehicle and that the seals were on the, on the water pump, I can sort of understand that, but otherwise it's a, it's a difficult one for me to explain. Okay. Oh, thank you. I appreciate All right. that. All the best then, Salwin, in resolving that matter and resolving that issue. Um, we're still taking your calls on 011-883-0702. Uh, uh, answering, or Nicole Lowe is answering your car, vehicle, uh, maintenance and repair questions. I think we might have time for a final question. So uh, let's see if you can be that last caller for today's edition of the Azania Musaka Show. Um, Nicole, I see we've got... Um, oh, well, let's see if we can... can if we can get Musa on the line, but um, you know what? What for? What should happen then for um, our previous caller? Should he not get any relief, or if he's not happy with the answer that he's uh, been given by the dealership? Yeah. So first of all, maybe just speak to the dealer principal or the service manager to find out why they changed, because it's definitely not a service item. It's not a, a service mileage that you will change thermostat and water pump. There's no such uh, thing. So, so they must have picked up something that is wrong. So maybe there's a good explanation. As I said, that they seen the vehicle. Maybe they went for a test drive. It was overheating, or they say they could see uh, could see coolant under the vehicle. Then they've got a valid reason for changing those components. Um, if not, um, I would say first speak to the service manager, dealer principal to find out why and the reason. If it's still not satisfied, most of the dealership are um, affiliated with the RMI, uh, the organization that will deal with uh, customer issues like this. Um, and then obviously if there's still no joy, you can take it up further to the motor ombudsman. But it's, it's almost like, uh, it, it, I, don't think, I don't know if the issue is really... Um, worthy sure. to the ombudsman. So I would first take the first couple of steps and maybe there's an easy explanation because I don't think people will just go and change the water pumps and thermostats for no reason. That's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, all the best in resolving that. Uh, and perhaps you can write back uh, to the show or just call in in a couple of weeks and let us know uh, if you've had any luck resolving that question. Mosa in Alberton, welcome to 702. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, you're the final... Ah, okay. We seem to have lost Musa. <laughs> uh, lines, I guess, no, not cooperating. Uh, very, very quickly, Nicole, we started off our conversation talking the um, importance and, I guess, the mechanics of how springs and dampers work in our vehicle suspension. Can you, and I'm asking you to play favorites, but um, I was reading an article on, you know, the top 10 cars with best suspension. Uh, and I guess the usual suspects uh, feature there. Uh, when you look at your, your own top two, I'm just going to make it short uh, in the interest of time. Your top two, uh, what are those, who are those manufacturers, which are those vehicles, and what have they gotten right? And in pursuit of what, right? As you said, a lot of us think suspension only for the reasons of comfort, but it goes far beyond that. Your top two. Yeah, so if it comes to suspension, it all depends on what performance criteria are you, are you asking from the suspension. Because if, if comfort is your main criteria, then you have to look at your air suspension vehicles, because they are most comfortable. And then a vehicle like, for example, the Mercedes S-Class, 
It's got air suspension, but it's also got these radar and camera systems that will monitor the road ahead and actually prime the suspension for certain bumps in the road. So you get this magic carpet ride. So for me, the S-Class always, from a comfort point of view, was a, was a great vehicle. But then on the performance mm-hmm. side, um, you, you will not have a comfortable ride, but you'll have a lot of grip. So as I say, it depends on what performance criteria you want uh, from a suspension. So on the performance side, uh, it depends if you want to go off-road, on-road, but we, uh, we're a bucky crazy country. So let's talk about the, the Ford Ranger Raptor. That's got a special Fox sure. suspension setup. So if you like your buckies, you like to go off-road, and you like to jump your bucky even, then there's nothing in, on the market that comes close to a Ford Ranger Raptor because of that special suspension setup, the special Fox suspension. The Raptor can't actually carry the payload of, for example, the Wild Track Cousin. But it can go off-road like none of the other buckies, uh, standard buckies in our market. So from a performance off-road driving point of view, Bucky, I would say Ford Ranger from a, a Raptor, that is. And then the comfort point of view, go and drive the S-Class with air suspension and those, all those predictive systems. It's amazing. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Nicole Lowe, of course, will be back on your speakers next Tuesday doing more of the same. It's been an absolute pleasure to be in your company. Thank you so much to our friends at Tourism KZN for hosting us, hosting 702 in KZN. Uh, those hashtags on our social media, KZN Open for Travel, uh, hashtag Tourism Month 2020.